0: just love you so much. God, you are great. You are awesome, God. We adore you. We thank you for your presence right here with us today. And God, we just open our hearts wide to you. Father, I ask that you'd speak to each one of us. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. Father, help us to grow and be more like you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, the last couple of weeks we have been talking about friendships. We're talking about relationships and and being like that wise woman in Proverbs who built her house. We're learning how to build our relationships because relationships are vital to our lives. And Last week, we talked about wisdom for friendships and recognizing that we'll have all different types of friendships. And that's good. That's the way it should be. And one of those areas we talked about is we're going to have a lot of connections with other believers, others in the house of God. As believers who attend church, we're going to have all different kinds of relationships with others in the house of God, right? Right. Well, did you know the Bible has a lot to say about our relationships with others in the house of God? Today, as we continue on the she adventure, we're talking about the fact that she loves and values those in the house of God. And the book of Galatians has lots to say about this specific area. So today we're going to take a look at several verses from Galatians. But how many of you believe that it's good to love other believers? Yes, some of you aren't quite sure. But the rest of you (laughs) think that would be a good idea. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) Not only is it critical to the heart of God... It's critical to God's plans being accomplished on the earth. And we're going to see that today. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Galatians chapter 6. And in Galatians 6, in verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. And if you read the verses leading up to this point, it's basically saying, hey, don't ignore those around you. Be attentive to others' needs. Reach out to others. And as you do, it will produce a great harvest. And then don't get tired. Don't get weary in doing it. Keep on going. Keep on reaching out to others. And every time you get the chance, help others, especially those in the household of faith especially to other believers, especially to those in the house of God. And I read that and I think, what? Wait a minute. You mean we have to be told to love those who should be the easiest to love? We have to be reminded to love others who also love God just like we do? Yikes! What does that mean? Does that mean that it doesn't just come automatic? It just doesn't come naturally to all of us? Yikes! Does that mean that we're not perfect? That some of us aren't always eager to love everybody? That some of us aren't always the easiest to love? Ah! Yikes! We're believers, and we're having to be told to love each other. Wow, so we better listen up. (laughs) But you know what? None of us are perfect. And I put myself at the front of the line. We live in these human fleshly bodies, right? And that means we have human fleshly thoughts and attitudes. And yes, we are all working on those things. But as long as we're on this earth, None of us are perfected yet. So we're all a work in progress. So as long as any one of us, myself included, as long as any one of us is in relationship with any other believer, there is the potential for flesh to be in that relationship. There is the potential for conflict to be in that relationship. Sorry to tell you. Hate to break the news to you. But, you know, I read this verse and I think, why is Paul focusing on the church? Shouldn't he be saying, especially, do good to those especially who haven't yet found Jesus. Do good to those especially who haven't yet found the hope in Jesus and life in Jesus. But that's not what he's saying. So does that mean that he's saying we should ignore others outside the church? Does that mean we should only do good to those inside the church? No. <laughs> you seem a little unsure. No, it doesn't mean that. But let me explain why he's zeroing in on the church. You see, Paul had set up these churches in this area of Galatia, and he, he continued on his way, spreading the gospel, bringing more into relationship with Jesus. And these churches continued, but along the way, religious Leaders came into these churches and told them, No, no, you've got it all wrong. It's not about freedom in Jesus. It's about legalism. It's about rules and regulation. It's about the law. It's about do's and don'ts. And That kind of thinking entered into the church and Paul heard about it and he was furious and he's like, no, we've got to do something. Don't listen to what they're saying. You know the truth. You've experienced freedom in Jesus. So the letter that he wrote to them is that entire book of Galatians, those six chapters addressing this very issue. Because when legalism comes in, when the law comes in, it causes us to be judgmental. It causes us to say, well, How well do you keep that law? Well, I keep that better than you. Well, I'm a better Christian than you are. Well, you're doing a terrible job at that. You're an awful Christian. It causes us to be judgmental. It causes us to compare, and it brings strife and division into the church. So the book of Galatians was addressing these issues, but that letter just didn't get tossed by the wayside. It became part of our Bible to us, the church today, to believers today, because how many think that there are times that strife, division, comparisons can try to creep in to the church today. So we need to glean from these same principles. So this letter is to us, the house of God, the church believers today. And listen to what he says in Galatians 5 and verse 13. I'm going to read these verses from the Message Bible. He says, It is absolutely clear that god has called you to a free life just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom rather use your freedom to serve one another in love that's how freedom grows so he's telling them it's not about laws it's not about do's and don'ts you're free in jesus But then on the flip side, don't swing the pendulum so far that you're over here saying, well, I'm free. I can just say to her whatever I want to say to her. No, it's not that either. And then it continues and it says, for everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedoms be then? Wow. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. We have the ability to bite and ravage each other. We have the ability to annihilate each other if we don't watch out. Wow says the goal is just to love we need to be women who just simply love each other if we can't love those in the house of god with us how will we ever love those outside this house those who are unbelievers and then paul continues and through the remainder of chapter 5 he tells us he talks about the fact that It really boils down to living a life that is motivated by the Spirit. That's the freedom. That's a free life rather than a life that's motivated by the flesh. But so often... You know, when a situation arises, that flesh crops up and it feels like freedom to just say whatever pops into our mind at the moment. Right. But that's not freedom. That's not the free life because it always comes back to hurt someone. It always comes back to sting. It always comes back to bite us, create problems. But if we can just choose to live by the spirit, which is what we should be doing as believers. Right. We have the spirit of God in us. If we can just choose to live a life that's motivated by the Spirit. That's a free life. That's the life where we just love, where things just slide off our back. We let the nature of God flood through us, and we love others. He's saying live a life that's continuously motivated by the Spirit, not a life that's motivated by the flesh. Well, I'm free in Jesus, and His grace covers me, and I'm just going to do whatever I want and say whatever I want, and they'll just have to take me the way I am, like it or lump it not living like that (laughs) but at the same time we all know okay yeah of course as believers we wouldn't live like that but it's also saying that we don't and shouldn't live a life that's motivated by the spirit one day oh father thank you for this day use me today i love you lord and then the next morning i'm not feeling so good Oh, I got out of the wrong side of the bed. I'm a little cranky. <laughs> They're just going to have to put up with me today. And then the next day, oh, God, I'm sorry. I didn't behave so well. I love you, and I just want to be used by you today. And then we go out loving each other, and the next day, oh, can you believe what she did to me? And we're back and forth, and people don't have any idea what to expect when they encounter us, and then they decide they just don't want to encounter us. And he's saying... Okay, come on, we've got to live a life every day consistently motivated by the spirit rather than by the flesh. And recognize the effect that that has on others around us. You know, I have had opportunity over years and years in church life to observe different types of relationships in the house of God different types of relationships between women in the house of God. And one particular relationship comes to mind because it so saddened me. And this unfolded over a number of years. But there were two women who were really close friends. And you would look and say that their lives, they lived lives that were motivated by the Spirit. And they were prayer partners and they supported each other and encouraged each other and just had a beautiful friendship, women who had met in the house of God. But then over time, insecurities crept in and and some other things happened that caused one to do some things that, that brought some hurt to the other one. And then the other one said some things that brought hurt to the other one. And then there were... There was behavior going on that was more motivated by the flesh than by the spirit. And anger and resentment set in, and those women began to sever that relationship, and they became more distanced. And then, after a number of years, they... Began to move back closer to each other, and apologies were made, forgiveness was extended, and that relationship was restored. And they're so happy today knowing that that relationship is stored, they restored, they have that friendship back again. But what they don't see is the trail of residue that is left behind the other believers that were impacted as a result the believers over here that this one went to saying things about that person and now their impression of that person is very tainted and then they felt like they had freedom permission since it was told to them to go tell others and then their Perception of that person is tainted. Not only did they tell others about that person, but they thought, well, they told me, okay, I'm having this other issue with so-and-so. I'm going to go tell my friends about that one and give them license to do that as well. And the same thing over on this side with this one, sharing things about that one. And so there's this whole trail of residue remaining in people's minds and hearts about the other person that they heard about. And I don't think these women have any idea. Ladies, we've got to recognize the responsibility that we have to love each other in the house of God. To love other believers in the household of faith. We've got to recognize that other believers are watching. Other believers are listening. Other believers' lives are are being impacted and affected by how we do our relationships. New believers are learning from us how to do relationships with others in the house of God. What are they learning from us? How are we treating each other? And so Paul, he's telling us, hey, live a life motivated by the Spirit be so careful not to be motivated by the flesh because any time we're motivated by the flesh, it leaves a residue. It impacts others' lives. And we've got to be aware of that and so careful about that. But when we live that life that is motivated by the Spirit, it brings life. It brings fruit. It impacts others in a positive way they see how to do relationships well they may even learn how to handle conflict well because yes we will have conflict but we can handle it well if we choose to be motivated by the spirit rather than the flesh and so Paul continues those verses there in uh, Galatians 5 and as he's talking about living that life that's motivated by the spirit it's a free life then he goes into the familiar verses about the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying once we do that, once we choose to live a life motivated by the Spirit, then it's going to produce all this fruit. We'll have an abundance of fruit in our lives. In verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those things will begin to abound in our lives and it'll be so easy to love others if we just choose to be motivated by the spirit and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires verse 25 if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit let us not become conceited provoking one another envying one another it's freedom it's true abundant life living a life motivated by the spirit and it produces this amazing fruit in our lives and then he goes straight into chapter six where he talks about four specific opportunities that we all have to love others in the house of god and he talks about four types of encounters that we have with people in the house of god so first one is with those who fall into sin in the house of God, people fall into sin while well, he's addressing it here to the church. And yes, none of us are above making mistakes. So how do we handle that? How do we deal with others, other believers in the church who fall into sin? It tells us so clearly in Galatians six one. I love it in the Message Bible. It says... Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. None of us are above making mistakes. We're not here to live by rules and regulations that cause us to pass judgment and condemnation on people. We're here to be motivated by the Spirit, living a life that extends love and restoration to others, a life that extends forgiveness to others, doing all that we can do to help restore them, help them get back on track. And when someone we know messes up makes a mistake falls into sin if we can lovingly come alongside extend our hand help pull them up help them get back on track without criticism without condemnation but with love walking that out with them they will be so grateful because how many others will kick them while they're down we'll criticize them if we can be that one that extends life to them they will be so grateful and that bond will become even closer in that relationship But not everyone responds positively to that. Not everyone wants to be pulled up out of that place. So we may encounter some that we're trying to extend love and restoration and forgiveness to. And yet they want to go deeper and further in the opposite direction. And we try and we try and we love them and we love them. But they don't want to be restored at that moment. What do we do with them? Do we try and try and then is it okay to criticize? If we, after we try for so many times and then say, can't believe they ever called themselves a Christian. No, we're just called to love continuously. Continuously love and extend forgiveness, help restore them. Because who knows, we may be the ones sowing seeds towards restoration. Someone else may be one to come along and water those seeds. And someone else may be the one to lead them through that restoration process. We need to leave that in God's hands. And we just need to continuously love them. And then secondly, he addresses another group of people. With those who are down and going through a hard time and weary. In the house of God, we will encounter those who are down, those who are going through a hard time, those who are weary. Listen to what it says in Galatians 6 too. It tells us specifically how do we interact with them. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens. And so complete Christ's law. What is Christ's law? Love. Love. Simply love. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. I love that. And I have to confess, because sometimes in my life, I get so, so busy. And sure, there's days that we feel like, oh, I'm so tired. I just want to pull the covers up. Or other days that something kind of starts to weigh on you. Think, oh, I just would like to crawl into a pity party right now. But... I get so busy and and there's so much going on that I know I don't have time for that and I know it won't produce anything good anyways. So I pick myself up and I say, Nope, not going there. And I get my focus back on Jesus and just keep running full speed ahead, doing what needs to be done. But what happens then when I come across someone who might be down? I want to just say, Well, get going, pick yourself. It, get over it. Get, get going. Go on. <laughs> and that is just not always the best approach when someone is down. <laughs> and So I have to stop and catch myself and remind myself that there have been times that I was really down. But it was the love of God that came through another believer that reached out to me and pulled me up. And so sometimes I have to just stop. Remember that. Slow down and do just what the Word says. Stoop down. Reach out. Extend love. Help them. Pull them up. We all need each other. We can't get too busy. We've got to recognize that others may be hurting around us. Others may be weary, going through a hard time. And let's let the love of God flood through us onto them and then thirdly he talks about those that we work alongside (laughs) excuse me and listen to these verses in galatians uh six verse four and five it says make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that don't be impressed with yourself Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So here in these verses, starting at the beginning of chapter 6, he's saying, Okay, there are some you will encounter in the house of God who might fall into sin. This is how you deal with them. There are some you encounter who might be down, weary, going through a hard time. This is how you deal with them. Now, examine yourself. Watch yourself. Keep yourself strong and healthy spiritually so that you don't go down either of those paths. And pay attention, examine the work that you've been given, what has been entrusted into your hands. And it's talking about believers in the house of God. So let's look at it from that context. What have you been entrusted with? Maybe you serve in a particular area. Maybe you volunteer in certain areas of the church. He's saying, hey, don't get impressed with yourself. Don't say, well, I volunteer 10 hours a week. How many do you volunteer? Don't get impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others, it says. See, we're going to be working alongside all kinds of different people in the house of God because we're all different. God has made us all different. We all have different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, different giftings and talents. And so we may be serving in an area of church life serving alongside someone else who has other giftings than we do and maybe they really excel in some giftings that we just don't excel in and maybe we excel in other giftings that aren't so strong for them we've got to recognize that's okay we don't need to tell them how to do their job we don't need to make sure they do it like we do it because we do it right you know No, and sometimes as women, we can get that way or we can even take on that. Well, it's just easier for me to do it myself. I don't need anyone else serving alongside me. Yes, we do. God created us to be this beautiful woven tapestry. All of our gifts, all of our talents coming together, creating his house. We are the church. And so we've got to recognize we're going to be serving alongside All different kinds of people. And that is beautiful. That's wonderful. That's the way God intended it to be. So we don't need to compare ourselves. We just need to pay attention to what he's given us to do and do our best with what he's put in our hands to do. Amen? And then fourthly, he talks about opportunities we have with leaders. And look at Galatians 6, verse 6. It says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, you may have heard this verse talked about from different perspectives. But that word share, what it literally means is become a partner with. That's what that literally means. So as believers in the house of God, we're called to partner with our leaders and the vision that God has given them for that particular house, for this house. The vision God has given us is to be a church committed to the cause of Christ. And so we all have a part in that. We're all to partner together in that vision to carry that out. Every one of us have a part in it. So we need to do our best to get plugged in to serve, to recognize the gifts, the talents that God's put in us and just use them doing anything, whether it's making coffee or um, greeting or ushering or whatever it might be. We need to be willing to jump in and partner with that vision. And here, this month of February at New Covenant, it's Vision Month. And Gary's been talking about the vision of the church the last two Sundays. And we'll be wrapping that up this coming Sunday. And, you know, first, when we talk about the vision for the church here, first we talk about connecting with the cause. Getting our minds and hearts wrapped around the cause of Christ. What is his cause? His cause is people. It's always about people. And you may see those big signs that we have outside and you'll see it written on other things within the church. Welcome to a place where people connect with God. Welcome to a place where people connect with people. Welcome to a place where people are loved valued and believed in. And that's the cry of our hearts that This church would be that place, but it takes all of us. So we've all got to let our minds and our hearts wrap around the cause of Christ, that we all have a part in reaching people. We've been reconciled to Christ, and now we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, as Gary talked about on Sunday. We need to recognize this is the cry of the Father's heart, connecting people to him, connecting people to each other so that we can grow and and become stronger together and connect more people to him and so we've got to be able to get it in our hearts not just as a passing thought in our minds oh yeah isn't that some nice lovely cliche because that is not at all what it is it's the heart of god so first we've got to be able to connect with that but then we also as Gary talked about this past Sunday, we if we call this church home, we need to commit to the cause of Christ. And what did we talk about on Sunday? That means partnering. What did we say this verse here in Galatians 6, 6 means? To share with the leaders, become a partner with, where we all do our part and say, hey, I believe in what God's doing here. I believe in the vision. I'm going to partner with, with you in carrying this out, recognizing that we all have a part, plugging in, finding your place. And this past Sunday, we had these little forms available. And we have them today at our connection table over there. And it's all the different areas that you can plug in and serve and get involved. And if you haven't picked one up yet, I encourage you to get one before you leave today and just. Ask God where he would have you plug in. And this coming Sunday, we're going to have tables out in the foyer. We're going to have a volunteer expo so you can go and talk to the team leader for that area. Get more information and get plugged in we need you that's how we partner together by getting plugged in doing our part and then this coming sunday the final week of the vision month gary will be talking about carrying the cause we connect with it we commit to it and then we carry it we each need to be doing our part to carry the cause of christ that means that we take action we don't just show up when we're scheduled to serve we don't just come in and meander and just um, come only when we feel like it or come right after worship started and then slip out the door right afterwards because we recognize we have a part. Every one of you have a valuable part in carrying the cause of Christ here at New Covenant and at Chick Connection. You know, even this morning, we always pray beforehand with volunteers early at 845. We pray and And this morning I was just praying that believers, that women who call this place home would get here at that 9.30 time for that connection time and be looking for other women who might be coming in alone just to love on them, just to give them a hug, an encouraging word, a smile. Every one of us have a part in doing that. Can you imagine if we did that not just during that 9.30 time here on Tuesdays but on Sunday mornings? I believe that we as women have an incredible opportunity in this house of God to set the atmosphere for those coming in. What do you do in your home when you're having company over? Do you make sure it's all picked up and tidy and neat, and then you want to be at the door welcoming them, making them feel welcome when they come through your door, right? Yes. (laughs) That's what we as women do. And so... (laughs) On Sunday mornings, I love to come out, and I always go in the women's restroom and make sure the pillows are neat, and it's all tidy and picked up in there. Can you imagine if every one of us took ownership and recognized this is our house, this is your house? It's all of us together, the church. And so if we did that, and every time you went in the the restroom you picked up any little papers you wiped off any excess water we treated it as our house can you imagine how beautiful and sparkling this place would always be and if we got here early to welcome people didn't matter if we're on the greeter team we can just be mingling through the foyer and watch for someone might be coming in by themselves or position ourselves in the coffee shop drinking our coffee but watch when we see someone who looks like maybe they're coming in alone we go over we reach out to introduce ourselves. We introduce them to others. Women have a, an innate ability to do that, to make people feel welcome. Can you imagine if every one of us rose up to that and did that? Every time there's a service, the incredible atmosphere that would be in this place, that when people come in, they would know that they're loved. They would know they're in the right place. That's what happens when we carry the cause. When we really carry it, we don't just stroll in for ourselves. We don't just slip out the minute church is over, we recognize that we have value in the house of God. And every single one of you have so much value in this house. We need you. Can you imagine? Gary and I, we cannot reach every single person who comes through those doors. We need you. You can reach so many. You can reach so many. Every single one of us can reach so many together. Can you imagine what we could do when we all carry the cause of Christ in this place? You are so valuable in the house of God. And here in this house, New Covenant, I know that there is so much that God is wanting to do that he can only do it through us. And I just want to encourage you, let's be women who take our place, who recognize how valuable we are here in the house and partner together in the vision that God has given us. And so he, Paul talks about These four areas, four opportunities to love others in the house. With those who fall into sin, with those who are down and going through a hard time, with those we work alongside, with our leaders, partnering with them. And then he concludes this section of his letter in verse 10, where we started this morning. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Faith. He just laid out several opportunities. But there are countless more. Are we looking for opportunities to love and do good to those in the house of God? Ladies, there's no room for broken relationships in the house of God. There's no room for strife and division in the house of God. There's not even room for cliques in the house of God. He wants us reaching out to others. All of those things, they're motivated by flesh. But he's just saying, come on, girls, it's time to live truly motivated by the Spirit. It is critical that we love others in the house of God because the way we love others here will reveal God to others outside, others in the world. And listen to this one last verse. Listen, this is why, right here, this is why this is so important. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is saying these words to us, that you also love one another, for by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is vital that we get good at loving others in the house. Of God because the world is looking on. And if they see us backbiting and not getting along in strife and division among us, they will not want anything to do with us or our God. But if they see us truly loving each other, they're going to want what we have. They're going to recognize that we are true followers of Jesus Christ and they're going to be drawn and they're going to be led to be followers of Him as well. Amen? Amen. It's so important that we love each other in the house of God, not just because it's important to God's heart, but it's vital to his plans being accomplished on the earth. Father, right now, I just ask that you would help every one of us just to recognize even more fully how valuable we are in your house. God, I pray that you would help us to walk out our relationships with others in this house in such a beautiful way, a way motivated by your spirit alone. God, that you would pour yourself through us, that others would know that we're your followers, and others would be drawn to you as a result, God. In Jesus' name, amen.